0: episode of Dig Me Out. There are songs where I don't think the guitars ever play anything different than each other.
1: Oh, you're insane. No way. You sure you're listening to the right album?
0: I'm, I'm sure I'm listening to the right album.
1: If you were here, I'd have to put you in a figure four late lock.
0: Hello and welcome to another episode of Dig Me Out. I am your host, Tim and Joining me is Jay
1: Zayak. Jay, how are you? I'm good. Is that the, um, how, if you're the announcer at a baseball game, how you announce so that you can compensate for the delay? You yeah. Cut everything real sharp. Good catch.
0: Uh, yeah, that's my stadium announcer. Not to be confused with my old-timey announcer, which would be, hello, ladies and gentlemen. Oh, God. Uh, all right, we should stop right there, because... We're getting ridiculous with our banter. We want to be focused on the music. That's what we're about here, the music. Uh, I did want to mention that we have uh, some nice things going on at our website. Nice things like...
1: Are we selling flowers?
0: Videos. Like links to places like eMusic where you can uh, purchase the albums digitally. In a digital format.
1: Ooh, wow! Yeah. The no wave files, or
0: I believe AVE OGG. Files. OGG is the OGG? number one choice of all listeners. Of course, we want. Or FLAC. Possible quality. I would sp- I would suggest FLAC. Uh, because you need a you need a track that's three minutes long to be 400 megabytes. <laughs> to get the premium quality sounding all song. Right. Here's
1: um, the more I the more I get into uh, audio equipment, that I'm going to end up with one of those nerds. Oh, God. The black files. I'm like, am I getting. Because I'm already doing the bitrate thing. Like, when you give me files that are 128K, I'm like, oh, this is unacceptable.
0: Yeah, you are I sound, a bitrate snob.
1: Sound horrible. Like, can you give me something closer to 300?
0: You're like, all oh, these symbols are so washy. Um, I, no, I wanted to bring up the website because um, you chastised me recently because I added a page called. Um, we Need Your Help, I think is what it's called, and basically um, yeah. list of albums that we have determined are impossible to find. Maybe they never came out on CD, maybe they were only released on cassette that somebody if, dubbed on their... If impossible,
1: you mean In My Closet? Then yes.
0: Yeah, I, ter- I, I, I put that up and then 24 minutes later, I believe, you, you, <laughs> s- you sent me a text message saying, um, uh, Hey Jerk, I have these records... Why do you got to be a jerk? Why are you making me look like a jerk? You so, well, look like
1: a bunch of rookies. It was
0: only I mean, like, I put up like 20, and you had four of them. So I've stretched. Joint
1: 001? I don't have that? How do you not have that?
0: I never bought that album. What? No, I never bought that album. Good album. I just burned it from you, probably. I have, the,
1: I have their independent
0: debut. Well, that's because we played with them. Yeah, but
1: I think I bought it you somewhere
0: else. Uh, You were sucking up at the show. Admit it. You went up to the bald guy and you were like, dude, I love your band. I just bought your independently released debut album.
1: They were one of those bands. I think we played with them in, what, Indiana or somewhere? Indianapolis
0: at the uh, Midwest Music Summit.
1: And there was people there from Chicago. And they were all like, ugh, those guys are so lame. And at the time, I thought they were like the coolest band. Oh oh uh, uh, yeah, I guess they're lame. <laughs> what do I know? Uh,
0: I just remember um, we play I don't want to divulge or uh, divulge uh, diverge this conversation that we should be focusing on seaweed uh, but I'm gonna divert it over diverge divert it over to uh, this for a second. We played it wasn't even a venue. It was like a hallway between two buildings that's how that's how bad the place we played was and we ended up with dovetail joint who were on a major label at the time and they got somehow stuck playing a hallway between two buildings it was a makeshift it didn't even have a bathroom
1: being in a band is not glamorous
0: no rock and roll is not glamorous and uh, music conventions where they get 500 bands to play unless it's south by southwest or cmj they usually suck We've, we played one in boston at a chinese restaurant and the mics weren't grounded and we were, everybody was getting shocked and it hurt it it's hurt times like
1: it's times like these where i'm i'm glad that my memory is horrible cuz i barely remember all, most of it
0: yeah i i have a lot of pain but you remember
1: every detail so i can't imagine how you're tormented
0: i am uh, i have to work through these things so doing that or 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 the way i do that is is to talk about Albums from the 90s with you. and it helps Excellent. it helps get these memories out and then we get rid of them uh, so I've exercised that demon exorcised not, exor- not exercised I didn't, I didn't go work out with that memory I, I exercised it
1: I brought you a good one this week
0: yes uh, well we'll talk about that won't we um, we're going to talk about Seaweed and their album 4 but I'm going to do my patented History of the band. And I'm going to come up with a little tag that's going to be like history of the band at some point in the future when I get around to, you know, that. Spending time on that. So anyway, Seaweed. Formed in Tacoma, Washington in 1989. uh, The band was essentially a group of high schoolers when they first got together. Originally it was Aaron Stauffer on vocals, Clint Werner on guitar, Wade Neal on guitar, John Atkins on bass, and Bob Bogrian, or Bogrian on drums. Uh, he was replaced in 1999 by Alan Cage, who was the drummer from Quicksand. He was only with the band for a year, then the band broke up. And then they reformed in 2007 with Jesse Fox on drums. So, Seaweed Forms in 89... They release a series of singles and EPs on the bassist's uh, independent label, Leopard, Gecko, Tupelo, before signing to Sub Pop Records. And their first two records, uh, 1991's Despised and 1992's Weak, were both produced by Jack and Dino, Uh who is a, I guess you would say he's a um, favorite of the podcast. When it comes to producing records, he's responsible for the Grunt Truck record that we both really enjoyed and many, many other albums of this era. For the third album, which we're reviewing, it's actually it's the third album, but it's called Four, which is confusing. They actually produced the album themselves, and that was released on Sub Pop. They scored a MTV video, MTV video with Kid Candy, but they actually got more publicity when it was featured on an episode of *Beavis and Butthead*. And then, oh, uh, one other note about uh, 4 was recorded on 16-track in Clint Werner's basement, and it was released one month after Nirvana's *In Utero*. Just for a, just to set the the, the table for you, just so you understand that. The time frame we're working with. What year so, is this? This is 1993. Hmm. They record their fourth album, "Spanaway," in uh, I guess '94, and then it comes out in '95 on Hollywood Records. It was produced by Andy Wallace, who is a—he's one of those guys that produced a billion records. He did—he worked on Nirvana's record. Uh, I worked on White Zombie, Bad Religion, Blind Melon, lots of metal records like Sepultura. And the album Tanked and Hollywood Records Dropped Them. They went on a hiatus, sort of. They didn't really do anything for a couple years. And then in 99, with the new drummer Alan Cage from Quicksand, they released Actions and Indications on Merge Records and then almost immediately uh, later broke up. From 99 to 2007, the band stayed in contact and would get together to record off and on, but they didn't officially reform until 2007 and announced that they would be putting out a new record, which is actually finally coming out this year, which I believe it's called Small Engine Repair. Only other thing or a piece of information that's important, and this is how I actually know of the band, is that their cover of Fleetwood Mac's "Go Your Own Way." was featured on the clerks soundtrack and that's I, I was trying to think of how do i know this band how do i know this band oh wait a minute they're on the Clerks soundtrack so that was what actually got them a lot of uh publicities when that album came out when that when that movie came out in the in the soundtrack because that soundtrack was a kind of a big deal it had a lot of bands uh like um soul asylum was on there and uh A band called Golden Smog, which was a supergroup at the time featuring members of Wilco, Soul Asylum, and the Jayhawks. And they covered Bad Company's Shooting Star, I believe it was, for that soundtrack. And there's just a ton of, you know, 90s alt-grunge indie rock on that soundtrack. So that's it. That's all I've got for Seaweed.
1: What did you think of the album?
0: All right, so you brought this album to me. I'm going to go first with it. I listened to this album more than I listened to any album we have ever reviewed. Holy crap! I must have listened. I listened to it like twice a day for the last two weeks. When well, that's that's probably a bit of an exaggeration because I there were some days where I didn't put on my headphones. Uh, but when I, when I was at work, because um, I'm in a work environment which allows me to listen to music while I'm working. And I would listen to it over and over again. And I was trying to get into the record, trying to get into the record. And I have reached a conclusion based on this record:
1: mm-hmm.
0: I don't like hardcore punk
1: music. <laughs> you think of this as hardcore punk music?
0: Well, here's here's where I'm coming. This is where I'm coming from with that. I think I think, and I have to listen to their other albums. I'm 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 genuinely curious to hear it. This album sounds like a transition album between a band that either was hardcore punk and is incorporating elements of grunge and rock? Or was a grunge and rock band that decided to play more hardcore tempos? Because there are the first it's song, normal. the first song, Losing Skin, to me sounds like early Jawbreaker, which to me is, is hardcore punk. i don't know what your definition of hardcore punk is i'm not you know this isn't some people refer to hardcore as like just breakneck you know snare kick hits and you know yelling and this is a bit more melodic than that but i kind of think of i've always thought of hardcore as like in that early jawbreaker um what are some other bands that sam i am i think would be considered that um I haven't listened to Quicksand yet. I'm saving that for when we're doing the review coming up in yes. a couple weeks. So I've been saving listening to them. So I don't know if, if they're in that genre as well. Um,
1: no. Well, but, I, I don't know. Your your definition is is a, a lot broader than okay.
0: mine would okay. Here's the thing that, and I there are elements of a lot of these songs that I like, but the thing that I find, I guess, sort of um, confining by bands that that sound like this is the lack of exploration and the lack of diversity. There's not... There are songs where I don't think the guitars ever play anything different than each other. Where they are locked in step playing rhythm the entire oh, song. Oh, you're
1: insane. No way. Okay. No, there's definitely songs where they play different
0: stuff. No, I'm saying there are, but there are also songs where they don't play anything. Where they are locked in with the bass and the bass and the guitars play exactly the same notes, and they are not diverging from that. And I understand that that's part of punk rock, is that you're you're playing three chords, and you're playing as fast as you can, and... What?
1: You sure you're listening to the right album?
0: I'm, I'm sure I'm listening to the right album.
1: If you were here, I'd have to put you in a figure four late lock. <laughs> Making any sense. So I can't believe that this podcast, I've suddenly become the defender of, I guess, what is punk, which... I would have never thought in a million years that would be me so you didn't hear okay so when I first got this album I got it probably several years after it came out you know to me I liked it because it had it had a punk energy but I heard more just hard rock riffs and its vocals are not punky to me at all
0: I don't think the riffs are in any way memorable that's the problem. I, I think all these riffs sound. They sound like this, they sound like other bands of the same type. Like there's, I don't hear anything that's like them doing anything um, creative or imaginative within that sound. They just sound like they're playing chord well, progressions faster than a rock band would.
1: I don't. Th- I don't really think of them playing that fast. I think the drummer goes into. Like double time parts, but he comes out of them pretty quick. And that, here, here's the problem with the record the, the record is not without its flaws. And I think this might be one of the things that maybe is throwing you is that the production, um, everything is always at max volume. It's very, the, the drum, yeah. drums are compressed to the point where there's no nuance, there's no snare beat or kick, kick drum hit or cymbal crash that's quiet or quieter than another. They're all like, max volume uh, the guitars are the same way the guitars are always um the same volume they don't while they'll play different parts they're never um they never fall back in the mix they're all you know sort of it's always all in your face and i think that's you know it, it it does this band a disservice i think the not that the production is unlistenable i think it's it can come off as abrasive and I think that there's a lot more a lot more there than, than, than that. Um, to me, the thing that makes them really interesting that I kinda surprised that you get pick up on is to me this is this they are one of the precursors to you know,
0: Oh yeah, definitely. Um,
1: I mean this is where I don't know the timelines for a band like Braid or Knapsack or 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 fans of that that vein, but to me they're they're setting the groundwork of what would you know years later become female um they don't have sort of the whiny mo kind of vocal thing going on but i think that in terms of like them combining i think uh, guitars that are more from a metal influence and combining that with punk energy and sort of bring it all together into one thing is the to me the you know the foundation of what emo was built on you know, kind of evolved into other things after that um and that that's what stood out for me because when i heard this it was just as that that genre of music and the was sort of probably around that time maybe breaking up hey mercedes was probably a couple years out hey mercedes
0: wasn't released until 2000
1: i'm pretty sure this is i got this album probably in 97 98 so to me, when I got it, like it sort of filled that gap, and they fit in with that genre of music more than had I heard it in '94, I probably wouldn't have known what to make out of it. Mm-hmm. Um, but years later, I think they, I think they influenced probably a lot of those bands.
0: I would say definitely, yeah. This band, to me, like this band and, and Jawbreaker and um, other other bands in this semi, I, I guess they're semi-hardcore. I don't know. I, Hardcore is a little harder to define, I guess.
1: Well, I think they had a hardcore. They were obviously influenced by hardcore and metal, and they. I think this. You're you're right on. I think this album is a transitional album for them, um, in that they're trying to figure out how to make that something a little bit more, say, melodic, and, and how to form that into something new and different. Um, but I think this is half of this album. They you can hear them starting to do that, and the other half they kind of go back to their roots their hardcore roots and, and things get a little bit more stale, particularly towards the end of the album they start to fall back. The last two or three songs, you know, get get a lot less interesting. Did but, you uh,
0: hear... I heard a lot of what I considered, like, kind of grungy-sounding riffs that would, like, you know, be on, like, a Tad record or something like that, where, like, especially on, like, the second song, Card Tricks, they, they have, like, this halftime, you know riff going on at part of the song it just sounds like could have been any grunge band i'm i'm sort of this band is kind of revered and everybody points to this as being the best album but i'm confused because i think production wise it's very bland like you said everything is just turned up loud and there's very little nuance and there's very little you know every every song almost has exactly the same sound and there's no variation and I'm interested. I'm I'm actually interested to listen to the other stuff because I want to know what Jack and Dino was doing for those first two records. Because he's able. Um, the thing that really is missing is the bass tone on a lot of this stuff. It's it's kind of mid rangey, I think. And it doesn't really stand out on a lot of the songs. There's one thing that Jack and Dino knows how to do it's bring out the low end.
1: Yeah. I, I, this is an album that. It benefits from listening to it a little bit louder, but it, I mean the production is not; it does not hold up well. Um, it, here's here's a couple of interesting things about that that you'll you'll uh, know what I'm, or at least kind of get where I'm coming from. So my when I revisited this, who I heard a lot of that I don't think that you heard. Maybe maybe it'll sort of reveal itself as you listen to it. If you listen to it again in a, in a couple weeks i heard a lot of the early afghan wigs so before gentlemen
0: oh you mean like up in it
1: yeah like when they were trying to like figure out coming from more of a, a noisy kind of punk beginning right it's had faster tempos Starting This this weird like dissonant guitar thing that happens, Um, and then not vocally, but I you know vocally they're completely different bands. I think musically, I think there's a lot of similarities to what the early Wigs were doing, what they were doing um, on this album. And one thing I thought about as I was listening to it, particularly songs like uh, track three, track four, um, it's almost like. If the Wigs would have walked into the studio where Testament was recording, <laughs> picked up the instruments, recorded an album, it almost would sound like that. Like what this band, like tonally what they're doing is basically thrash. Like they're using thrash guitar tones. They're using thrash drum sounds. And those are very abrasive. Um, they're tolerable from, for, for, for like for late 80s, early 90s metal because all those instruments are very locked together. But what they're doing is they're doing some dissonant stuff from time to time, and, and noisier things and stranger things. So that tone doesn't it doesn't quite work for that. Yeah. And what it made me think of is this to me is a band like um, against me in some ways. In terms of if you listen to their earlier stuff, it's very punk, very hardcore, comes from a very you know, non-commercial point of view then you can the last two albums which i love are basically guys who grew up in that world and have that perspective on things but have also matured and sort of figured out how to turn that into something not just more commercially viable but like just musically better more sophisticated and i think i'm really curious to hear what the their new album Yeah, it's coming out this year. In that area, where they can take some of that energy and some of that aesthetic they had early on in their careers and reinterpret it and bring a new, more mature perspective to it and kind of create something I think that might be, if it's half as good as the last two Against Me albums, I'll be really, really happy. Um,
0: I think you hit on something, though, with bringing up both The Wigs and Against Me is that I, I feel like vocally those bands both deliver, both in terms of content and in the personality. And I feel like, you know, I actually went and read the lyrics to some of these songs. And because I was trying to get an idea of what he was singing about. Because I just, I just could not lock in to what exactly he was singing about. And it's fairly typical for like, you know, it's about... You know, this was a this was a pretty young band at the time. They were in their early 20s when they recorded this. A, a lot of these songs are about sort of that transition period from when you're post adolescence into adulthood, and the and the you know the compromises you have to make, and the 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 situations that you face in terms of growing up and, and dealing with you know authority and and, and responsibility and how that affects you and i i liked what he was singing about i just ne- didn't necessarily love the vocal delivery for a lot of songs i understand you know if you're into this sort of genre that's that's the what it sounds like but when i listen to like you said the new against me stuff and maybe it's because they're putting the vocals up higher but i feel like he's found his he's actually that guy his i don't know the lead singer's name up against me but he's actually found his voice.
1: So he's able to take the, uh, it, it, you know, that unique sort of delivery he had early on and interpret it into something that's more melodic and can fit into, um, I guess more of a commercial alternative rock sound. I, I, I mean, I think, I don't know. I don't, I, thought, I thought I think this guy's vo- vocals are while they're not. Um, super I don't know they don't stand out in terms of like oh wow that guy's an incredible singer but at the same point they're you know if this is a hardcore punk fan he doesn't scream or you know do any you know he can sing he can carry a melody he can carry a note like yeah maybe they're in the middle there which is I guess for some people not a good place to be but for me it's When you're combining together, you know punk influence and trying to, you know, sort of interpret it into something new and fresh. You know, to me that makes it, uh, it it makes his vocal, his vocal makes it all more more um, accessible. Um, So I guess I just didn't find it memorable. I think I think it's sort of a yeah. I mean, it's not. It's not like, uh, but I think what it does is it. They're a band that can take that. You know, sort of abrasive hardcore punk rock thing and, and make it available to people who can't get over sort of the rough edges of that and while some people might call that blessed and horrible I think it's great because there's things about that energy and that kind of music that I do like but I can't you know I also need some musicality to it From right you know i need some musicianship and i need some melodies and things and i think these guys can bring that you know the drummer's great and he's um uh, i think the guitar players are great i think vocally it's good and solid and i think you can hear the songs that they don't stand out in terms of like oh wow you know that singer is like the most unique thing i've ever heard but um i think for the time it kind of was and even see what the band does know. i think they played an important role in making that format of music, that that genre of music, um more relevant. So it didn't get, you know, it sort of were one of the bands that interpreted that into something more commercial, which eventually got translated a couple more times and became emo and, you know, kind of became a big deal for three, four or five years here and still is sort of influencing a lot of stuff that you hear on the radio now. So I think they were one of the first bands to start to figure out along with some other, what to do with that, genre like, music and how to play it and something. I'm just a niche.
0: All right. Well, I, you know, like I said, I'm curious to hear what they do with Indino and what the new album is going to sound like. We're not going to review the new album, obviously, but we probably will in, uh, you know, sometime in the next five to 10 years, get to the other seaweed albums. And, um, Maybe my opinion will have changed by then, but this is not one that I would find myself wanting to go back to immediately. Whereas, and I'm probably going to get lambasted by the uh, Seaweed fans, because I know they're they're dedicated uh, fans out there for this band. They're going to look at my review of the Wanna Dies and think I'm a giant puss. <laughs> they like, that like <laughs> pop music. And uh, praise, praise that band about being... Mm. fun to listen to, whereas you know, everybody's got their own taste that's all I can say <laughs> and uh, you gotta go with what you, what what you enjoy
1: so if, hey man, you know, if like, you're into Bill like Sebastian, the... that's cool
0: oh, that's a low blow come on, I got better bona fides than that
1: I'll, we'll have to maybe in an upcoming episode, we'll hear what some of that I just think it's funny that I've become a defender of punk rock.
0: You have. You're like the hardcore punk I, rock guy now. I know
1: nothing about punk rock, but I think the bands that I, – I guess these are the bands that, that you know, introduced me to whatever it is I know about it, I guess, or I don't know. Yeah, but you're you're know, n- you know, metal and
0: punk, although they seem to be at odds, you know, there are crossovers between those genres, and they, they pull from, you know, there's punk – and then punk that derives from, you know, gl- you know, the glam. Like the New York Dolls were a glam punk band, mm-hmm. but they influenced Motley Crue. And Motorhead is a punk influenced metal band, and you know those, you know, cross pollinations come up all the time. A lot of those metal bands that you were listening to in the '80s um, had punk roots, mm-hmm. and. Uh, so it's not that far-fetched that you would be into this, whereas I was listening to, you know, L O Cool J and Billy Joel in the 80s. So it makes more sense that I wouldn't I'd be into this.
1: I do think it's interesting that I, there's, you know, as we revisit these albums, you know, there's that metal element of it, sort of the production that was going on that I didn't even perceive at the time I just like oh this this sounds good to me I like this and you know listen to the album and whatever and now i go back and listen to it and you sort of dissect it and it was, and, and those things stand out is why uh, why I liked it and even, even the Wigs thing I mean I'm a huge Afghan Wigs fan and going back to uh, some of the songs on, on this and listen to them again and it's like wow I think they were doing the same kind of thing that the early Wigs albums were trying to do in some ways and playing around with the same kind of uh Ideas. I
0: think the I quote think. of the quote of the episode is, "If the Wigs walked into the studio where Testament was recording and picked up their instruments, this is what that album would sound like." Absolutely. Yeah. You're not going to get that sort of insight just anywhere.
1: That sounds Test- appealing to you. so make sure you go get this album.
0: Yeah. Was I got a question though? Was Testament thrash? Yeah. Okay.
1: So you you've heard of the Big Four, right?
0: Well, yeah, Anthrax, Megadeth, Metallica, um,
1: and Slayer. Most people would say that Testament would be the best. a big five, it would be number five.
0: They're the Pete Best of the big four?
1: They, I mean, they, they sound a lot like Metallica at the time. Okay. But uh, production-wise, you know, very similar. A lot of reverb on the snare. It's like in your face. Like, guitars are kind of mid-rangey and pinny and... All right. Throw the wigs on those instruments, and you got seaweed. Uh, do we want to get into why
0: this album didn't sell a thousand million records?
1: Oh, God. I just think they were... It's just not commercial. There's nothing no. about it that's commercial at all. So, um, not a huge <laughs> mystery. I, I think they are a very influential band, I think, you know. Um they're just one of those bands that probably um, you know, their impact is more on the, 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 uh, the bands that followed them and were influenced by them and took the idea that they started and turned them into something else. Uh, they're going to be known more for that than they are for where they charted or having a hit video or something.
0: Right. Well, you can direct your hate mail to me by visiting our website, BigMeOutPodcast.com. And uh, we have a new uh, section where you can uh, actually uh, uh, enjoy our bios and um, make fun of us personally. And as well as download the albums through our Amazon and eMusic links, which we would appreciate you clicking so that we can earn our pennies and pay our bills. We also have Uh, videos up for every show so you can see the band either in the live format or when MTV used to play videos we have those available for viewing pleasure and lastly if you have a album that you would like us to listen to and consider for future podcasts you can send us an email at digmeoutpodcast or digmeoutpodcast.com at no, wait a minute what is it dig me out podcast at gmail.com that's it and you can follow us on Facebook and Twitter and all those fun things all those social media outlets that allow you to stay up to date to the minute when there's when there's news happening dig me out is on top of it when you need to know where Chris Cornell will be for- performing a solo tour dig me out will be there when you need to know when G- when uh, When Billy Corrigan is releasing a new track from his 44-song opus, Dig Me Out will be there. If you need to know where Candlebox will be reforming on this summer's fair tour of the Midwest, Dig Me Out will be there.
1: They're not reforming, are they?
0: Uh, I don't know. Well, they're split now between The Gracious Few and Kevin Martin and the High Watts. So wow, yeah, I know. I can't believe you just admitted that. That I know all that?
1: I totally just tricked you into
0: admitting that. Hey, I gotta stay up on all news, not just the news that sounds cool.
1: So I what are the Jim Blossoms what, up to now?
0: I need to know what Ed Kowalchuk is up to. All right, and no, he was not a goalie for the Blackhawks in the '90s. That's the lead singer of Live, which, by the way, we're officially adding to the. Bands who have terrible names to try to Google. Oh yeah, yeah, good one. Yeah, live. I'm also adding the band to that <laughs> list. Terrible names to Google when you want to search for the band.
1: What are the, what's the guitar player from the Spin Doctors doing now?
0: Funny you should ask. I have no idea.
1: If you knew that, I swear to God, I would have just jumped out my window. <laughs>
0: This is, what didn't the Spin Doctors just tour recently like didn't they tour didn't they do like a summer tour with like you gotta be kidding me like the Gin Blossoms it was like it was like the Gin Blossoms the Spin Doctors and Sponge it was like those three bands like it was probably like two or three years ago where they played like pre-concert downtown Columbus
1: you know what, we, we need to do an interview a uh, documentary of uh people that go to actually go see a Spin Doctors reunion show like seriously what the hell is wrong with you like, how could you possibly want to see this band again who abused you as a child
0: <laughs> oh god that's that's a lot of psychotherapy bills that ha- would have to be paid to figure that one out and on that note now that we have alienated the spin doctors fan we're gonna move on and say it
1: would, it would make a uh, heavy what is that Heavy metal parking lot or something. Metal parking lot.
0: Yeah,
1: it would make that seem like those guys, those people are brain surgeons. <laughs> I fear just imagine
0: there'd be a, there'd be a girl in a long, you know, flowery dress spinning around, her hair. You know, wh- I'm sure there's,
1: there's a lot of hacky sack being played on the show. Hacky
0: sack. Dudes with unkept beards. Hey, watch it. Yeah. Well, yours is yours is yours is kept, or kept, kept, kept. Yeah, it's both. There you go. All right, all right. That's it. Thanks everybody for listening. We'll be back next week with another episode of We Hate the Spin Doctors. I mean, dig me out. Visit digmeoutpodcast.com for links to our Facebook page and Twitter feed.